to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good morning, afternoon, evening, or night, listener, and welcome to The Big Red Couch, episode 120. Here in the lands of darkness, I'm Craig, and on the other side of the world, in the land of light... It's Ben. Yeah. Half late. It's actually drizzled today. It was lovely. I, I thought New Zealand had sworn off rain and, indeed, the existence of cold for a while. Uh, to a degree, yeah. But there was a little, little soft rain, and it was, was pleasant. It's been a little bit parched lately, so hmm, it's very, very nice. Assuming it was actual rain, and not, in a rather cunningly transparent segue, some sort of outflowing from a levitating blue whale. Wow. Okay, we are. We that's where we. That's the level we're at today, huh? Cool. I I don't know. We. Oh, oh, oh goodness. Okay, lovely. Let's go. Let's go on, folks. Because I suddenly realised that my ideas were quite wholesome. Hey, Craig, how's it going? <laughs> Wholesomely. Wholesome. I was thinking the occasional bit of water dropping off the whale from where it had come up out of the water. You are the one who made it weird with, I'm assuming, whale urine. No, I'm making it super weird with ambergris. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't have a funny bit for that. No, no. One could argue that I didn't have a funny bit for most of what I said previously, but I definitely do not have a funny bit for that. There are very occasional folks who still fossick on the beaches for bits of whale, whale gunk. barf. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's 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 the stuff that whale, large whales, I think particularly sperm whales, but could also be blue whales. No, it's, no, it's got to be a toothed whale, because this is the stuff they secrete to stop the extremely hard and sharp beaks of giant squid from tearing up their insides after they've just eaten a squid. So it's something that they use to dissolve a squid. Oh no no no! This, the, the 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 beaks are so hard and sharp they just secrete a, a like a waxy resinous substance to wrap around it, so it make pass safely through the whale. Okay, so it's effectively a ring shield for whales. I'm sure that there is other soft internal parts of the whale that it protects as well. But yes, it is. Um, yeah. Okay. And this stuff is for some reason. Um, if it has been floating long enough in the sea and has been exposed to the elements, it becomes the perfect base for perfumes and other stuff that they came up with in the 19th century because they'd come up with steam engines and had nothing better to do. Yeah, they'd invented all the sensible stuff. Let's see what happens to this particular sort of whale poop. Yes. With a beak in it. Ambergris punk. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of not awesome. All right. I don't know how we got here so quickly. It is. It normally takes us longer, to be fair. It is true. It, it, it is at the end of a weekend, if that's any kind of explanation. I've, I've spent much of the weekend staring at Python code, which never helps. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So, this awesome and definitely not have been anticipated going so wrong so quickly idea was uh, submitted by Burning. Thank you, Burning. Indeed. And so, have you got a sturdy game idea to give to our give to our lovely audience? I do. I also have a thing that it reminded me of, which is is not a game idea, but is the sort of memory of an era of gaming or possibly an approach to gaming. Mm-hmm. That all sounds way more portentous than it needs to. Mm-hmm. Um, nostalgia. Sh- a little bit, yeah. Um, nostalgia for somebody else's gaming experiences, oddly enough. When I read that, had this memory of many years ago having ended up with a stack of Dragon magazines from a friend. Mm-hmm. Basically, he'd collected them when he was, I suspect, in the early stages of teenagerdom, based on the occasional survey response that had been written into various things but never sent, and the quality of handwriting. This isn't the um, equivalent of finding porn in a lay-by or something, is it? No, no, no. This was this was actually, hey, I've got these Dragon magazines. Do you want to read them? I will need them back at some point. Ah. And one of the articles was about Gamma World. Right. And was specifically addressing the situation that while 
Gamma World for well for 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 backing up purposes. It was a a post-apocalyptic, effectively mutants and mutated animals and sci-fi weaponry sort of RPG. It was Dungeons and Dragons with all the dingbat stuff explained by radiation and technology rather than magic. Pretty much, yeah. And to my understanding from the article, at least that edition, had the whole thing where you could roll for your mutations and you know you could be various sorts of mutated animals. Mm-hmm. And somebody was basically pointing out that, well, sure, you can do this. The problem is that unless you get incredibly lucky on your dice rolls and get a couple of mutations, one of which allows you to be amphibious and the other one allows, of which allows you to fly, anything aquatic is just a non-starter. Though, as I recall, you, you got to choose your species just arbitrarily. Mm. So that, had, that also was a problem, that they didn't really have like stats. I don't think they had exhaustive stats for every land animal. So, mm. so yeah, the flying whales were right out. It was Weirdly an enough, interesting. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting article because at the time it sort of put me. It, it gave me a look into a completely different way of approaching things because my assumption, sort of given the basic setup, would be okay. So if somebody wants to play like a whale in Gamma World, then presumably you just let them pick a couple of mutations that allow them to do that because otherwise what's the point whereas this was very much more of a no we must follow the rules at all point the rules say you have to randomly roll them and it it was just a a few to a a very different approach to to gaming i don't know whether it was an approach to gaming that ever actually existed beyond whoever wrote the damn article oh oh it absolutely did that was the thing it was like it's couched in you know the let us simulate every possible like situation, uh, like with the um, Super Squadron role-playing game, where you could roll a character whose background was God and current job was unemployed, which is still awesome. <laughs> it's just... Yeah, that just <laughs> writes to... itself. <laughs> yeah. How did you get fired from being a God? How could you be a God and get fired? It, it's that you've got to come up... You, you've got to work with that one there. But in the situation where the game says, pick any animal you like, get some, muta- some mutations... And you have a functional character, and somebody says, well, if any animal could be anything, and you could either choose something that, you know, a honey badger or a Siberian tiger or something that's very dangerous, but you don't have, you'd have to, you know, figure out what the baseline is for that. Or you're working with something that you can't assume has base characteristics that any normal character would have, like a movement rate on land and ability to breathe, well, to breathe air for long periods or... Mm have support your own weight out of water. Things like Do that. Do not explode when you get to one atmosphere of pressure because you're used to living at the bottom of a trench in the ocean. Indeed. So, things yeah. like this. That it's one of those things, it's, it's about assumptions. It's a, and I think, mm. I think it's a bit of a theme with the stuff that, that I've been, been dealing with lately. So, yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I can see why that would have, you, you've gone, huh. Okay, someone's expecting the, the this, this, this book to have every permutation of reality in it and Mm. obviously that's not realistic (laughs) yeah so that was that was the just thing that i remembered from the 90s read in a dragon magazine that was probably from the 80s Mm. just to horribly date the thing my actual idea for levitating blue whale will involve incredibly heavy spoilers for wreck it ralph 2 Ralph breaks the internet. Go for it. I haven't seen it yet, but I'll be shocked if I, uh, you know. Actually, I watch a lot of stuff that reviews things with heavy spoilers, and then I go and see or track down the uh, the piece in question. I feel, you know, I, I don't get the review spoiled that way a lot of the time, and I'm looking for something interesting. I can go, hey, yeah, they were right. Or yeah, ah. I, I tend to do it the other way around. I try to avoid any mention of the thing whatsoever until I've seen it, so that I can see it completely cold, which. Living in New Zealand during the time period made watching uh, the Lord of the Rings movie movies a deeply frustrating experience, not only for me, but for everybody who knew me. <laughs> Fair enough. It did not help to have ended up helping out on an amateur film with various people who were in the damn movie. That <laughs> did not help the situation at all. Anyway, um, so. Spoilers. Back forth. The shtick behind Wreck-It Ralph and 
Wreck-It Ralph 2, Ralph Breaks the Internet, is characters in arcade games having their own existence, interacting with the game world itself, interacting with each other through the medium of wandering down the um, power cables. In Ralph Breaks the Internet, the core plot driver is a machine breaks. The part is no longer in production, but there is a um, the, the replacement part can be sourced from eBay. It is too expensive for the owner of the arcade to purchase it. And so the characters go off on an adventure to the internet to attempt to get this part. That That's kind of the plot driver. It's not really what the movie's about, but that's what that's the plot driver. My thinking for Levitating Blue Whale was, well, okay, let's push that a little bit further. So you've got an arcade. It's got various games in it. The games aren't in great condition. And so you've got effectively the the interactions. And I'm, I'm trying to go with quite a lighthearted kind of sweet-natured game here. You've got the interactions of the various people from the various games trying to fix the problems with their and other games. So something goes wrong in an arcade game that, I mean, I remember the existence of a game called Echo the Dolphin. I never played it. I'm going to assume it had things other than the aforementioned dolphin in it. So I'm just imagining a circumstance where there is an emergency, people are gathered because... Something's gone wrong, and the net effect is that there is a slightly embarrassed blue whale floating above the ocean, just kind of sitting there, looking around, wondering what happens now, while on the other side of the screen, various the members of the public are wondering what's glitched with the game this time. Hmm. As I recall, Echo the Dolphin was a Dreamcast game, so I don't know if it made it, made it to arcades, but that is super irrelevant to the game idea. This could be <laughs> like a... Um, Super irrelevant is where we're at, man. Yeah, the, it, this could be maybe not not just a like an official stand-up arcade thing, but it could be like a more eclectic history of gaming kind of situation, and it's a bit of an amateur mm. an amateur sh- thing. So they're trying to keep these things going, and you know, so they could have run into this this bizarre glitch, and they're trying to go, is this like an Easter egg, or did somebody break it? <laughs> yeah, how do we how do we get Jerry down from there? Yeah, can we can we just winch him down? Like, this really hurts, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, what if we just stand a bunch of people on top of him? It's not very comfortable. Yes, put those sea urchin bombs down. I, I don't like the way the way this is going. <laughs> yeah, this seems like a bad plan. I mean, sort of spinning spinning on from there. You can either do the game of you could do the game of characters in either this arcade or this arcade museum gaming museum interacting with each other to keep the various games afloat you could maybe have a little bit more fun with it if if you take a leaf from there's a series of terry pratchett kids books truckers diggers and wings Hmm. about very very tiny creatures uh, at least in the first book living in a department store they they have their own society. They have they feel some level of ownership towards the, uh, the 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 big department store. They tell stories about the huge slow moving creatures that that do the shopping there. And it turns out towards the end of the book that the guy who sort of first owned the department store and his family, because it was a family run business, had always had these stories about these little um, helpful creatures that lived in the department store. Hmm. You could have some fun plugging into into that in the game and so for the vast majority of of people it's it's a video arcade with a bunch of you know just sort of this this effectively history of video games from the really clunky clunky shit up to the modern day Hmm. for the owner of the place eventually he's going to notice well this thing broke and then some random person shipped the part in from cleveland how did that happen and so if you had the circumstance where the owner of the, the arcade I or sort of curator of the museum either suspects or maybe just flat out knows that the characters in these games are interacting right back at you. Hmm. I'm not 100 on where you'd go with that. You could have, yeah, if it was anime or something, you could have uh, great fun with the 
the the various scenes in uh, Wreck-It Ralph set at Tappers, where you've got the bar there, and then on the other side of the screen, you've got the owner of the arcade, who's basically just set up a set up a stool and is drinking a beer and sort of raises it and toast. And yeah, you could have a nice moment there. Not quite sure how you do something with that in the game itself. Hmm. Well, you'd want both a group of players and a a system that handled sort of quite nice, cozy stories, I think. Hmm. This this shouldn't be the game of, we're going to go over there and we're going to beat the shit out of those guys from uh, from Street Fighter because they suck. This would be the game of, can we round up all those guys from Street Fighter because we really need to move Jerry, the floating whale, off screen before somebody notices him. Yeah. Or possibly we just paint him blue so that nobody sees him against the background. Hmm. Yeah, this kind of thing. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's what that one put in my head. Okay. Hmm. I do wonder... Something fairly improv would work. Something hmm. fairly fairly light would work. I do wonder whether some sort of hack of either inspectors or... Yeah, some, some sort of hack of inspectors might be your first step. Because you don't 100% know what the solution is going to be or even what the problem is when you start out. Yeah, or like Fate Accelerated or something. Mm. Something. So depending on what structure you're intending the game to take on, if you're thinking this is just a solve this problem, everything is good, we never need to talk about this again, that's kind of, this is a, this is a puzzle box. Once it's open, it's open. Or if you're looking to establish a more a wider world of video game folks interacting. Good point. Yeah, because yeah. we talk about cozy sort of games with, with like Loki Adventures. Ryutama is exactly that sort of game. It's the, the the naturalistic Miyazaki kind of. People have Final Fantasy fights, but literally they have like the the characters move between a front row and a back row and so forth while they have fights. And the character that the GM technically plays follows the party around, writing down their stories. And, and things like that. So that could work as like an, if you transpose that into a mm. um, a video game world. But it would be literally, oh, I come from Pac-Land or the the Pac-Man game, and we're and I'm going on a journey with these these exciting people to don't go and do a thing. So you could you could translate that between the pastoral Miyazaki kind of fable land into into this video game ville kind of thing. That's a possibility. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I'm thinking the, the sort of existential threats to all existence are things like, well, attendance is down, we can't afford to pay the power bill, or rent is going away, all of the machines are going to go have to go into storage. This this kind of thing. That gives it a, a different layer and oh, yeah. a significantly different feel. So, yeah, I that is a that is a for the person overseeing this project that is a choice. Um, yeah, I, sus- I suspect that's the, the the big sort of season um, season finale thing. If you if you're thinking of it in that term, that you you, you do the game and then the, um, the 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 going out of business signs start to come up. Hmm. That's kind of less cozy. That's kind of bleak. Oh yeah, that would be the, that would be the non cozy option, or at least the less cozy option, because you've got to assume. Well, actually, there is a way of dealing with this, but. It involves a bunch of video game characters figuring out marketing. Yeah. I cannot help but imagine that bit of The Simpsons with Homer standing on a street firing a shotgun into the air and shouting about bowling. <laughs> ah, yeah. That takes it to a quite a different level and quite a... The, the, the equivalent that I can think of is like the, um, the cyberpunk slash superhero dystopian thing underground where you've got stats for the society and you're attempting to do tasks at these free as these freelance psychopaths these freelance psychopaths to shift the quality of life for the world around you against horrible corporations this is more you know just the obvious outcome of capitalism rather than the directly the corporations themselves but still you're going to drum up community support and because you know the actual thing that would keep something like that running would be people in a community and people being enthusiastic about that stuff. But it it gets weirdly religious at this point, though. The idea that these people who really like antique um, 
antique and, and, and vintage video games are suddenly talking to the people in them. That's a bit weird. If that's the, that if you if you break that that separation, it worked okay in Field of Dreams. He says defensively. <laughs> you like Field of Dreams? People like Field of Dreams, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Mister Costner. He tries so hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. So that that is the extreme end of it. At the, at the, the the far extreme end of it, you have effectively the Field of Ge- Dreams video game museum edition that, that that's way out there at the, the 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 smaller ryutama cozier end of things is probably where a bunch of the fun resides it's because you've got this two planes of existence which affect one another but the things crossing across that get deeply weird i think is the issue there yeah yeah i mean i if i was running it in very much the um the, the smaller mode, you know, okay, Jerry the Levitating Blue Whale is going to be a problem. Uh, can we just rig up a screen in front of him so that nobody notices while we figure this out? If I was going to do that one, it would be nice to have the occasional tip of the hat to the the owner of the arcade, the manager of the museum, the owner of the arcade, whatever. At least having an inkling. Well, you could mechanically have something that's like equivalent to Favor of the Gods, but it's like, we have to get somewhere. Oh, someone's playing Super Wipeout or whatever. You know, someone's playing a racing game. Quick, let's hitch a ride with them. And you use that as kind of like a external resource that you can you can build up and spend to do scenes and various things. Ah. So you don't have the problem that the the people are. This the small kid might be aware that oh wow, there's there's characters from my favorite games on the car with me when when I'm playing this racing game. It's like this is really cool. And, you know, years later, they might be going, shit, it was Polybius, wasn't it? I am I was hallucinating or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, they're not going to suddenly start combing through the, the, the ROM to find out where these sprites came from. So you could use those as little ad hoc kind of bridges between games and scenes. It's like, oh, someone's turned on the Donkey Kong game. It hasn't been on for a while. We can, we can ask the wise Mr. Kong what he thinks about trans rights and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Because I've always wondered. No, no, he's pretty. He's, he's pretty cool. Um, so yeah, so that that could be a, that could be a, a mechanism by which the the wisdom, sorry, that the the interaction from the outside sphere comes in when the players need it, or even if the GM's going, oh, this player's really good. You're going to have to you're going to have to work hard to to get past them here, rather than have the characters either side acknowledging that either side are sentient creatures. One each is like a a a window into another world and we get to use them like that rather than being worried about the 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 gray-haired old nerd who's trying who's trying to keep the rent running on the place while these people run around in their video game adventures because mm. i find that kind of uncomfortable for some reason interesting i am reminded of various bits of season one reboot with yeah very yep. pointed commentary at first person shooter horror games yeah, but that was to the audience. It wasn't Indeed. to the player of the that, that games. Is, yeah. <laughs> that is fair. I, I just remember the two people cowering behind tombstones with sort of... What's, he's just shooting at everything. <laughs> what kind of person could possibly enjoy a game like this? And then they turn and stare meaningfully at the camera before going back to the plot. Um, yes, yes. It's cute. Possibly yeah. my favourite moment from that uh, that series. <sighs> right. Anyway, so yes, that was, that was, that was my idea. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, it's possible to do that sort of thing. And you mentioned the Lego movie and passing a little while we were seeing it. And the mm. bit where the first Lego movie breaks from Emmett and his friends struggling to, to defeat Lord Business and the bit at the end, because you know if you've seen, you know, and if you haven't, you should, that was a strong move and well done in that circumstance. It just like... But it's very, it's very specific, very isolated, titled to all themes. If there is, it it would be, it, there's a risk of it becoming weirdly un, sort of unwieldy and imbalancing the game. And oh yeah, especially since you know, if if yeah, it would be, it would be, it would could get messy. So that's why I think yeah, using the external activities of the players as spontaneous stuff, where maybe even like the the existential threats and so forth are aren't even a thing it's just the fact that people are like interacting with the games and playing with things becomes 
part of the story when the players and the GM deem it's, it is appropriate. Yeah. Actually, I, suspe- I suspect something to aim for would be the... Um, if you remember the TV show Fraggle Rock. Not even. Wow. Not even, okay. not even Uncle Travelling Matt, because that was, was like an educational kind of breakout from it. I was thinking the very occasional interactions with the human, that they're aware that the human is there. Yeah. Doesn't really affect them that much. But right, right. every yeah. so often they have to make sure of, okay, let's not get spotted. And we're good. So it's an, it's like, it's an external, not a, a, a presence that's there, but it's more like the weather or the local mountain or something. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, good point. Point well taken. Good reference. The Uncle Travelling Matt stuff is the goofy stuff the players get up to while the GM is in the toilet. Pretty much, yeah. Cool. Um, I, I hadn't realised how much um, how localised Fraggle Rock was. That different. Oh yeah, yeah. Different regions got different Uncle Travelling Matt bits. Mm. Different regions got completely different whose whose place are they living in bits. In New Zealand, it's an inventor with a workshop. In mm, other bits it, of the world, it was a lighthouse keeper. Yeah. Uh, we got the American one. I'm pretty confident of that. I think uh, Venice Beach or something like that. Um, it's in, they, And, you know, if they did the resources and reach, they might have done a New Zealand one or even an Australian one. But it was, a bit, it, was, it was there. But I think there was definitely like a French and an English and possibly like a Scandinavian one. Yeah. Well, for kids, stuff is, you know, really, really cool. Yeah, that's mm. quite, a, quite an appropriate thing. And uh, a something they didn't have to do. Cultural hegemony, cultural hegemony. Mm. <laughs> yes, I know at least some of the travelling mat sequences were shot in New Zealand. Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, there, was a, there was a rugby scrum bit, which... Uh, which, yeah, the poor Muppet get dogpiled in. I think I vaguely remember that. There was, yeah. there was a vague divot in my very, very... Yeah, yeah. So they, they they not only had the localization, they also had a global aspect to which they because they could it's a because it's a puppet they could dub whatever voice they needed and or they could they could put their whatever voice they needed and film the rest of the things as long as they had the same puppet. Pretty much, yeah. Quite a quite an international ambassador. That was that's a that's an underrated show on several on several aspects. But yeah, that was a that was a thing. Indeed. Cool. Alrighty. Okay. So. Interesting. I was a little, I was a bit uncertain about that for, at first, but no, I think I, I was at least able to articulate why I was uncertain, which I'm glad about. So yeah, cool. So interesting, interesting notion. Why don't we take a quick detour to our Miwi forums, and I will speak upon Kinemono slash John's R's idea from there. Okay. Lay it on us. John writes. Hmm. I'd use Fate Accelerated for this, and the players have the option of making a team of characters together or make their own characters independent of other players, both in a setting of your own choice. I smell a bait and switch here, John. Oh, yeah. Gotta got got love a good bait and switch, as long as you're using the right bait. That got weird. Weirder than you think. Once all that's out of the way, the opening scene is, you all wake up in a grassy field. It's big, and you can see a stone wall not too far away. There are ruined buildings about a kilometre away, and... On the ground by your feet are a collection of crates and some crowbars. The wind is blowing in one direction, and you see clouds passing by at eye level. As you gather a wits, you hear the mournful call of a whale. The crates have got supplies and so forth, enough for um, a couple of months, along with seeds and crops. There's farm tools, tarps, building materials, and, like, a selection of small trees. Apparently someone expects you to be here for a while. The players inspect the area. They find it's 6 kilometres long by 1.5 kilometres widest, narrows to a point at one end, and from that end you see a long whale-like tail ends with a set of flukes. They're moving up and down. The front is rounded, and and the front end, the other end is rounded, and you can't see anything below you. The field is surrounded by a low stone wall about a metre in height and about a metre thick. At the midpoint, either side, you can see a set of fins also moving slowly up and down. There is a geyser. One about a half kilometre from front. Every so often, it, it, it erupts with smelly water. <laughs> there are pools dotted in the landscape and a spring within the ruins. It, the ruins have uh, a, a, you know, a stone and brick rotted wood. There is even a, a, a rudimentary sewerage system which you can use. Looking down on over the edge, you don't see any ground water. Looking up, you see sky and clouds. No sun, however. But you do have you do have night with stars above and below. So. Basically, it's 
a survival game where you are suddenly placed on a flying whale. Um, John has laid out the, the whale's name, and you can talk to the whale eventually, I guess. And uh, there's a bit of a story of the ecology of the greater f- flying sky whale. And it all becomes a bit of a a bit of a lifestyle block in the sky, but with trading with other sky whales slash floating islands that may have once been sky whales. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Very much a fish-out-of-water tale? Mm. What? Come on, there's got to be a bit of, bit of groan than that. Oh, sorry, I, I <laughs> wasn't sure whether that was deliberate or not. It's always deliberate, or at least I, tell, I say it's not. I, I can do a groan now. No, really? Do. Come on. The moment Whales aren't passed. even fish. Exactly. That's what makes They're mammals. It... The whole thing with the gills. You're no fun anymore. I was never any fun, and you know it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's um, very much a... You are suddenly in a wacky environment, and you have to figure out how what you do to survive. Doesn't sound like the, wor- the world's most harsh environment but you know you're still going to make your choices and you you could become whale based sky pirates it implies here because there are other people whale lords of the sky yeah it sounds like it was like bolded and everything yeah 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 so yes you might even you might even start your local sky whale to start a pod of their own and have little sky whales though that is also kind of alarming it, it seems to be partially inspired by the Flying Witch anime, which is super chill. Very, it's one of those ones where virtually nothing happens, except you know there was a sky whale, but you know, uh, and a Yogg's Cast Whale Lords series, which seems to be done in Minecraft? Question marks or a very similarly blocky, blocky game. Mm, so I, I don't know Yogg's Cast, which makes me that, a bad person. Yeah, they're a reasonably well-known gaming site who've had some variable success making their own video games, I believe. But yes. Fair enough. And apparently based in Bristol. Oh, wow. Okay, I did not know that. Cool. Okay. Yeah, that's, again, that's one of those very self-contained John H. Rio ideas. And yeah, that sounds... I am always nervous about the idea of, like, yes, I make my grim dark assassin who will, you know, lurk in the alleys and, and has underground contacts that I'm on up. Fucking whale. <laughs> I have yeah. at times, and a couple of times that I've done bait and switch games, I have told people about it ahead of time. Hmm. I haven't told them what the switch is, but I, yeah, I, I have on at least one occasion told people make up a bunch of office workers. This is a bait and switch game. Yep, that's fine. Yeah, so it it's doable. I mean, bear in mind, I think I have also on um, at least one occasion where people were making up characters and one of the players had decided, I, I want my character to, to have this skill. I think this will be useful. And eventually had to tell them, look, this will never come up. I just, yeah, this is, this is, yeah, this is you, me as a GM saying, if you are dead set on taking the skill, I will give you that skill for free because I am absolutely confident you will never, ever use it. I was right. <laughs> So I, yeah, I think in those in those circumstances of a bait and switch game, if you've got somebody who who makes up a character who is just going to be one hundred percent useless well, and no fun to play after the switch, as a GM, you kind of need to tell them. Uh, you need you need to account for it in some way. The yeah, uh, if you're saying right, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons, or we're playing this very specific ghost punching game and then you move it to a different context you're going to have that bit where all of that those established things that give the characters agency and so forth are, are dislocated because you'll either get them trying to bend the plot round the back where they can do political machinations on the back of a whale which would be exciting or yeah. you need to say all right your uh, your abilities are translated into this new way that you never expected and your new life means that you are doing interesting and different things. So the skills technically still do something, they're just not what you expect. And hopefully the player will get the good roleplay experience of playing this person aside from their own experiences and backgrounds, and they're dealing with that, rather than feeling horrifically cheated and 
Yeah. But, you know, you, you, you try and you try and give them that. Like, and like I said, you're like, all right, I'm... I'm a I'm a hacker. Boof! I'm on Skywhale. And like, okay, you can't be a hacker. You're still a hacker. Let's pick a few other skills that might be useful. Mm. Yeah. It's, cool. Yeah, what, what what is your background versus what is the stuff that you actually do? It's yeah, it's certainly something that needs to be thought about. Particularly if you do the everybody makes up their characters individually and they all get dumped into this circumstance. Yeah. I mean that one would be awesome, but yeah, you could also you, know, you just have the character go quite potty and try and make a computer out of turnips is that a minecraft thing no no that was redstone redstone yeah i don't think i don't think there's a uh, a building progression between redstone and, tur- and turnips that's cool right. okay turnip stone where is this bit even going I yeah know. yeah i was gonna ask <laughs> yeah uh, that's uh, that, that's a valid question cool yeah, yeah that's that's an interesting one i mean because things that come to mind is i wonder how you get off the whale I'm not sure there is there is an off the whale because if there is no if there is no sun, there is a loosely agreed on up. That is an interesting question. That is the whale clearly considers there to be an up on the grounds that at least from from the description you've kind of got this this sea of clouds that you're swimming in. Is gravity pointed towards the whale because gravity always points towards the whale, or is gravity pointed towards the whale? Because the whale's back is up. If it does a barrel roll, do you fall off? That is something you would need to decide. Either there is a generally agreed up, and the whales and islands all conform to that. Or, yeah, you could kind of meet another whale coming through the rye, but it's at sort of like a 125-degree angle, and you can kind of look up and talk to people and say, Hey, how's your whale? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, how's it going? (laughs) Yeah, and that, that opens a whole thing of opportunities if you go with the rain approach of down is towards the surface is is where down is then you've potentially got the circumstance of what happens when you walk on the other side of the wall Hmm. can you walk around on the underside of the whale or would you need to climb that's a a bunch of choices to make regarding that game so yeah i don't have any strong opinions either of them could be kind of fascinating yeah it would be vaguely entertaining to have these circumstances so circumstances of sort of somebody wakes up and them. Why are we all on the ceiling? Yeah, whales flying upside down. Do you know why? Nope. <laughs> I know why we sleep indoors, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Does anybody know what happened to Dave? Can hear some shouting. Figure he's wedged himself in the chimney. <laughs> uh, where'd the fire go down the chimney? <laughs> That's why we have a chimney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's going to be awkward. Yes, what about the well? Yeah, we're too scared to look at the well. <laughs> yeah that's uh yeah yeah think, think we learned where those occasional ponds come from ah. there's a whole bunch of ramifications yeah definitely. i'm assuming that whales probably like to swim upright most of the time yes that seems reasonable to me so it probably wouldn't come up that often but if you had some tricky maneuvering you could just sort of have the the clanging the emergency triangle of okay everybody grab hold of something anything um, this is gonna get weird yeah a full barrel roll would tear off anything that didn't have that wasn't structurally affixed to the surface so that would be bad so yeah maybe the whole it maybe maybe it's a conversation between the whales have their own idea of gravity but everyone kind of shares a general idea of gravity and maybe there's a few cool tricks you can do by kind of ignoring one set of rules or the other and working them together but yeah Mm. Mm. Tricky. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, I like it. That would be fun. Mm. That's an interesting concept for a setting and a game. Figuring out where the light comes from, where the sun has gone, and why is it, why is it all whales and floating islands yeah. would also be something to do. Yeah, and I kind of like the idea of getting people from a bunch of different settings. Mm. That that has some fun to it, just because then you could have your yeah, you can have your grimdark cyberpunk do you can have you, you can potentially have the circumstances of yeah because john does mention the idea that there is no hope of getting back to where you came from and nobody really knows how you got there in the first place i am imagining the circumstance where maybe somebody figures out how a, a way to get home and a few people say are you kidding me no i'm staying here hmm. this is awesome you can't see the air nobody has tried to murder me for weeks yeah, this is brilliant. I'm, I'm staying put. That's true. 
This is like playing VR Farmer all the time. And some people would see the upside of that, and you know, yeah. some people would, would not. Would not, yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Doesn't sound like a forever game, but I think there probably should be a, um, a moratorium on that idea, along with universal physics simulators, because... No. <laughs> there was a comment on John's idea uh, from Mac saying, basically, if I were playing, I would probably want an answer to the question, how did I get here, even if my character would never be going home? And John responds to that with, I'd leave that up to the players to decide how they got there. It'd be hard to come up with something everyone would like or agree with. Hmm. Makes sense. Cool. Yeah. yeah thanks for that. Mm. As usual, uh, massively interesting and diverting suggestion so that's pretty groovy on the topic of uh, audience suggestions we did have some thoughts about the previous episode so this was a series of emails between um myself and um jono um friend of the show back in new zealand talking about uh, episode 119 home improvement slash ghost busting tv show and Specifically, the various comments about the the New Zealand TV show, though I understand it's one of these internationally franchised things, The Block, that The Block had a site manager by the name of Peter Wolfkamp, who is basically there to coordinate the site activities, sort of deliveries and that kind of stuff, site safety, acting as a bit of a mechanism to stop people from doing really dumb crap, there to provide advice to people who will actually listen. Effectively, because you've got a TV show where you've got Eight people who are probably not builders in any way, shape, or form attempting to be builders. Stuff's going to go wrong. Jono imagined Wolfcamp as Beetlejuice from the movie of that name. Somebody says Wolfcamp three times and he appears. Which sparked in my mind the idea that from memory from that film, at least when Beetlejuice was first summoned, he was there to help. Well, he was the he was advertised as a bioexorcist, and mm. I I forget when exactly where in exactly in the movie it turns because he eventually ends up being the threat that has to be dealt with mm. from recollection. But yeah, the idea of a ghost busting show where you've got a helpful site manager and consultant exorcist who, after a while, turns out to have their own agenda, mm. or maybe has already been possessed, doesn't know it but the spirit isn't in control all of the time. Or if you want to go with the really creepy version, you've got this TV show, you've got the consultant exorcist who only ever shows up when the contestants are alone and the cameras aren't running. Yes. Yeah, there's lots of options for making it more spooktastic that way. Having a strong NPC in a mm. game like that to guide and derail things is, is yeah, it's valid, definitely. And also throws in the idea that, and if you really screw things up, maybe you receive a visit from building inspector Bob Howard, which I think is a reference to the laundry files. <laughs> right. Who has some distinctly non-standard paperwork to sort out. Yeah, I saw a thing about, um, I think it was on the RPG Net, like a weekly summary that they do. Someone had put in a, how would how would you report how would you get the authorities to deal with your house if you were having a house of leaves situation hmm so yes I, you have I haven't actually read house of leaves but that makes me a bad person it's it's quite you will you will your eyes will bleed at the side of footnotes um oh. after reading this book it has a level of internal pretentiousness which is quite fascinating consider it is a memoir about a about a story related by a blind man about a film about a family's adventures in a functionally haunted house. What? Yeah. <laughs> and it is it is definitely the creepiest book I've ever read. And the book itself manages to be creepy. I've never had the article itself be, uh, you know, the, 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 not just the story or the ideas in the story. The, to a degree, the book itself is creepy. I understood from, from Kev that it was quite difficult to read in places oh, yes. just because of the way it's set up. Oh, goodness, yes. They would, they would have, um, the, the typesetting would have been nightmarish. So, wow. Yeah. And I thought How to Mutate and Take Over the World was bad enough. 
Yeah, this is uh, it's more it's more legible than human occupied landfill if we if if we're gonna go yeah. down uh, role playing game references. Fair enough. The the font choice on that was was a mistake. <laughs> well, they were going for we wrote this at a convention and we hand wrote it, but um, there's a reason typewriters were invented. Yes, yes, it was. Um, and my only other co- so I, I like that idea of injecting an NPC with that sort of strength into it. My only other thing was the fact Peter Wolfcamp for some reason made me think of Werner Herzog and the idea of the, the doing the narration is like. And now Timmy discovers the mysteries of the corking gun, sort of thing. <laughs> no, I don't do a good Werner Herzog, but the idea of somebody doing like a narration. Little does he know, he is in, using this in an enclosed space will definitely give him brain damage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I do not know about the proper use of ventilation when using paint. Shortly. Their brain cells will start to revolt against them. <laughs> Which, mm. it, 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 in and of itself, was pretty awesome. <laughs> no, they have not. They did not decide to paint the entire room white, including the ceiling and the floor and the taps and the television. The fumes have gotten to them now. They are lost to us. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Perhaps somebody will find them before they pass out in the paint. Okay. This. This got weird. But cool, I like I like Jono's suggestion. <laughs> it, even even just for a crappy meme. It also reminded me of a book I read probably three and a half decades ago. A book called The Ghost of Thomas Kemp, which I remember very little about. And I did find a Wikipedia reference to it, which confirmed to me that the damn thing actually existed, but didn't provide a lot of extra information. But something I had remembered was that there was a kid who thinks there is an exorcism situation, and the exorcist he finds is basically the local handyman. I think mm. exorcism was possibly a side gig right. or uh, or something. And so that kind of put me in the show of in the idea of a show that is a um, basically a group of people, small group of people, uh, renovating a house on a tight time frame with a limited budget while shooting a TV show about it to help pay for the damn thing. And the house turns out to be haunted. They can't abandon the project because they've sunk all of their money into it. They will be ruined and homeless. They are contractually obligated to keep producing an episode for the week or they'll be sued into oblivion by the studio. And so the only option left is to try to deal with the unsettled um, spirits and the unsteady foundations, despite not actually being in any way exorcists. Is the ghost in question the the invisible hand of the market? God, I hope not. <laughs> because it, it sounds like capitalism is mostly result their woes. The supernatural stuff seems like, all right, we just walk away. It's fine. But okay. Oh yeah, no, I mean, I cap- capitalism. I yeah, the, the well, the invisible hand of the market isn't so much the ghost. The invisible hand of the market is what's keeping them f- hemmed into the situation. Indeed, indeed. So it's just, yeah, it, it's a bit like mini mini horror games and any Call of Cthulhu scenario ever. The trick is to keep the players from just saying, "Nah, fuck this," and leaving. It has the same function, but I also suddenly jumped jumped forward to the the fully automated luxury gay communist um, utopia that Star Trek promised. Wait, what? And, <laughs> well, no, there's a meme about fully automated luxury gay space socialism or something that to describe Star Trek and possibly the our only uh, escape from this planet. But the idea of saying it was like the the, the horror stories ending with, and it was. The marketplace of ideas all along. <laughs> okay, the weird political satire RPD market. Fair enough. Uh, no, uh, no, this, this this could happen. You know, if you know, if if, if 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 things if the pendulum swings. Yeah, yeah. And for <laughs> for like... one for a while there, I was wondering if you were making a was it um Martha the Martha Washington comic comic series where they were the gay space Nazis. Yeah, that's uh, Frank Miller's finest hour, possibly. Yes, Colonel Wilhelm Wilhelm Crotch of the Aryan Thrust. Yes. Yeah. Okay, not what you were referencing. All right, but that's that's in your brain now. That that is that is presumably the um, the horseshoe theory uh, approach to luxury gay space communism. (laughs) Yeah. For every Star Trek, you get an Aryan Thrust. 
Wow. If, if, you, okay. if Frank Miller is in the room, you, that is that is what happens. The rest of the Martha Washington thing is actually is still is is less weirdly bigoted. It's actually it's it's um it's no less weird, but it's weird in different ways. And it's weird. less bigoted. <laughs> less bigoted. Yeah, it's it certainly um, has an ideal of personal uh, of, of uh, somebody heroically uh, overturning a system and doing things, but. Yeah, that was an odd. That was an odd moment in the middle of that of that tale. <laughs> Not just me who thought that then. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rereading it over the years, it's like been wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Frank, put some of that back in. No, put, yeah. put all of that back in, and just keep going. Keep keep putting things back in. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So so so, how did we get here again? I I. <laughs> I'm unable to backtrack. Um, it was the luxury gay yeah, communist yeah. utopia, space communist yeah. utopia. But that was the joke about the political situation being the villain, which was the oh, right. fact. Yeah, yeah, the fact that there was the ghost. Free market the, capitalism was the uh, was the villain, villain all along. along. Yes, which don't know. I can't see anywhere to go with that. So, um, I mean, it, it suggests that you could come up with a really weird version of are you a werewolf my brain stopped sorry (laughs) (laughs) dave was laissez-faire economics all along Um, (laughs) all right yeah i'm not saying it's a good version of the game in fact it could possibly be the definitive benchmark of if you go any further than this it's definitely too far (laughs) um but yeah it's a valid option (sighs) for a very specific value of valid i don't know what we're doing but we're bad at it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious we, we are neither taking this subject too seriously uh, seriously enough or not seriously enough maybe this should be blooper reel material this ah that's fine that's fine i think i think i think people understand politically where we are and intellectually where we're not <laughs> yeah okay cool okay so you're you're there was the story where people in unfortunate and unfortunate economic system uh have to deal with ghosts even if cool. they don't really know what they're doing and mm. are basically winging it. Just because I rather like the idea of incredibly stereotypical builders attempting to hold a seance, perform a cleansing ceremony, <laughs> while simultaneously trying to deal with bleeding the radiators while yes. the walls are bleeding. It's like, oh, it says here we have to make a circle of salt. Oh, we've got this marmite. Do you think that'll do? Well, that's pretty salty. Yeah, we'll try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll do a yeah. pinch. Did, did, did we have any chalk? Uh, no, oh. and I got some mastic. <laughs> yes. We, we have prepared the space with the, 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 the runes dazzled onto the wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this thing writes itself. It's brilliant. I'm, I'm just liking the idea of the you know, the spirit attempts to conjure up a wind to blow away the um, chalk dust that has been used to, um, to, to mark out a protective circle. It's not moving. It's sort of a... Oh yeah, we we didn't have any chalk, so uh, yeah, we used we used mastic. That, that stuff's never coming off. <sighs> no, that's that's kind of awesome. Cool. That was a weird weird cul-de-sac we found ourselves in, but cool. Yeah, I, I'm not sure about Dave was laissez-faire capitalism all along. <laughs> and I love the line. I just don't know how to create the game to get you to that point. Um... Cool. Alrighty. So I should I should contribute with some ideas um they're, they're pretty they're pretty sketchy so i mean even compared to what we've just done because no, you know. no, at, at, ske- at sketch level oh right okay i definitely had an idea of you know this i this this notion of a blue whale suspended in the air surrounded by its environment and a posse of equally a- aquatic creatures inside a sphere of water and the idea that you know maybe this is a this is a rescue mission. Hell, it could be they've they've had enough and they they, they won't take any more, and they're basically just going to roll Sea World or some place that is you know is oppressing sentient aquatic mammals or something. And it's literally this this a, a psychic whale has just picked up a, a a sphere of water and is just driving it up the beach to the towards their target. I, I have a request. Mm-hmm. When this game happens. Can you use the leverage system? That's an amazing idea. <laughs> I guess the whale is the mastermind, but yeah, you get to you get to have a you bunch of other. You can make it out even if the whale is the hitter. I mean, well, I'm assuming that when something gets hit by a whale, it stays hit. 
Uh, no, the whale has to hold everything together and coordinate, you know, their activities because they're all. Uh, this is this is a cross between uh, this product of of seeing reviews and trailers for two things I have not actually seen. Ponyo, where the water level just rises and things get weird. I, I have seen Ponyo. Point. It's awesome. Yeah, and Aquaman, which people just sort of fly around on the water, and it looks kind of fun. I've got around seeing it yet, but the idea that yeah, you've got a a strike force which involves you know several million gallons of water, a blue whale, and a posse of folks. That would be an interesting tale in and of itself. Maybe even if it's a bit more, maybe it's an, uh, a story of an escape. Like you are, it is like. So it's prison break, but with a psychic whale and friends. Yeah, or possibly that yeah, there is a there's been a a massive oil spill that cut off a section of ocean, and the whale the the, the oil is poisonous enough and and, and dangerous enough that it, the better option is for the whale to pick up as much water as it can in species and go the other way across the um across the a land bridge. And hope nobody notices. Well, someone's going to notice, but yes, they've got to <laughs> yeah. deal with. They've got to deal I'm with. Just that, imagining a whale flying over the Yucatan and the Roger. Maybe nobody will notice. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a that's a lot of water up there. Like, yeah, that's a negatory on people not noticing there, bud. Um. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I guess that the more certainly the more opportunities for the more opportunities for players and so forth to get stuck in is the jailbreak leverage thing where you have the the octopus hacker and the, the I think a dolphin would actually probably be a good hitter as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dolphin um <laughs> So I just I'm just trying to imagine who would be a good grifter in this circumstance. That is Yeah. There might we might need to put some work on that one. That's <laughs> That's the thing, definitely. And cool. an octopus who stole a smartphone and is doing everything by text. Nice, yeah. Helpful otter. Yeah, you could have a you could have a like a, a sea lion or something to. Um... Mm. Yeah, okay. So there's, there's some option. There's some options there. I feel like I may have derailed things with my plea for leverage being the system, but no, I on. like it. I like it. It's, I mean. I mean, if you were if you were, if you're just going for brute force, yeah, you've got a localized tsunami. Mm. There are very few things that could survive having enough water for a whale to rest comfortably in it without it heating up or um, or de- or deoxygenating rapidly. Sit on them. Yeah, it, mm. that is that's a lot of water. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's that, yeah, that, megatons of water basically. Yeah, yeah. And your whale's got big brains. If it's a psychic whale, yeah. It's going to be really psychic. Maybe the whale is the face man. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the idea of an, a, a lobster mastermind or something just sort of perched on top of the, the whale. Mm. Thinking. Yes. Some lobster thoughts. Man- mantis shrimp hitter. They are actually pretty small, but... <laughs> well, <Fair enough>. yes. <laughs> okay, so maybe that wouldn't work. Um... Yeah, but they are scary. Interesting. Yeah, and other than that, the idea of you know cybernetic whales with with turbo fans and anti gravity, a la Far Cry Blood Dragon or something like that, would be interest an interesting adversary in a game. The idea of like, yeah, we rule. We we are we are we are like badasses with with gas rifles and and you know lasers and uh, we kick ass. It's like. <laughs> this fucking blue whale clad in active defences and, and ECM and weapons that comes over the horizon like, balls. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're outmatched, aren't we? Oh, yeah. We're going to get our ass handed to us. Most likely. Yeah. If you wanted to up the stakes, you know, it's like, whoop. <laughs> it, a lo- there is a, a vaguely whale-like adversary in the Half-Life Two game with a turbo fan and fins and so forth, uh, some sort of some sort of energy weapon. But yes, huh. you go just massively up that and give it a lot of um, neon trim and so forth to give it uh, give it some real surreal impact. Cool. Yeah. So be, so yes, yeah, so some some fragments of ideas, but I think we've had some really interesting 
more fully fleshed out notions and also uh, diversions there. So, yeah, good stuff. Thanks, guys, for all of your, your contributions there. For any other news or updates? I do not believe so. Shall we Shall we read out the official list um, that will be going up shortly in the polls? Shortly as of our recording day, um, they will have been up for a little time on our... And we'll still be up there if you dig for them when the episode drops. Uh, yes, so poll options. We have It's All Downhill From Here. I Will Be a Witty Man with My Dangerous Bottle, submitted by Will Meyer. Song of the Old Gods, The Colour Out of Space album, submitted by Thunderstep. And a replacement cycled in, suggested by John Rea. It's promotion time for the Royal Gardens of the Emperor. Only one will advance. All right, so we will see what you, the long-suffering audience, wants, to the extent that you really want us to continue at all. <laughs> I mean, do we at some point want to uh, just put in a, for the love of God, shut up option? And and then when the, when that gets voted up, we can do an, an episode about the concept, for the love of God, shut up? Yeah, definitely. That is totally our speed. You sunk my battleship. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we may need some intellectual uh, diversity, or any sort of diversity, to be fair, <laughs> to be had. Geographically diverse? We're geographically redundant. <laughs> uh, to be fair, you are from a, uh, uh, you are living in a country that doesn't appear on some maps. It, it's part of our plan to take over this part of the water. Have everybody forget that there was ever a country there? Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's all part of the it's all part of the flat Earth conspiracy, as dreamt up by the whales. Nah. logic checks out. <laughs> all right. So with that, thank you for listening, audience. By the time you hear this, the the polls will be up. Uh, vote early, vote often, and we will catch you next time for an episode with a topic that is yet to be decided. Indeed, we will see you then. Bye now. Bye. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.